0: I want to make one thing perfectly clear. This show is not about lumberjacks. My name is Christopher Grunland and every month I share a story. Sometimes the stories contain truths, but most of the time they're made up. Sometimes the stories are funny, other times they're serious. But you have my word about one thing. I will never, ever share a story about lumberjacks. This time, the adult son of a hoarder finally figures out why his father collects things when the two set out to retrieve some dogs seen running loose in a field. Alright, let's get to work. Looking for dogs. Let's go get us some dogs. Dicky stood at his open bedroom window watching his father's breath in the chilly morning air. His father Richie never knocked on the front door or rang the doorbell like a normal person. For reasons known only to him, Richie preferred walking around back and knocking on the bedroom window when he wanted his son. It didn't matter if Dicky was sound asleep, making love to his wife Tina, or just trying to get away from it all. When Richie Wingfeld wanted something, he knocked on windows. What are you talking about, Dad? What dogs? There's a couple Great Danes running around out in a field. Let's go get them. Dickie looked back at his bed, at Tina tangled in the sheets. The impression of his body in the mattress formed from a good night's sleep called to him. He wanted to climb back in, knowing it was still warm and waiting. Why can't you go get them yourself, he said, wondering why he was having the conversation at all. He wonder what made a man see two Stray Danes out in a field and think, Hey look, free dogs! I ain't gonna put two strange dogs in my car, Richie said. Hell, they wouldn't fit anyways. You got a truck. And I'm not putting two strange dogs in my truck, Dad! Wouldn't have to, Richie said, having figured it all out before knocking on his son's bedroom window. They'll ride in back. They'll jump out. Nah, they're big dogs. Big dogs know how to ride in pickup beds. If they'll ride in the bed, Dad, that means they're trained. And if they're trained, that means they belong to somebody. Dickie thought he'd win with logic, but his approach to reasoning differed greatly from his father's. Nah, no one's gonna let two gorgeous Danes like that run loose. Nobody owns them. Okay, you can borrow my truck to get them, Dad. I'll give you the keys. I don't want your keys, son. I want your help. Dickie knew what Richie really wanted was company. Okay, Dad, I'll go. Give me a minute to get dressed and I'll be out. The heat kicked on as he closed the window. All Dickie wanted to do was fall back asleep before the sun had fully risen. He wanted to slide back into bed, cuddle up against Tina, and never wake up. That's what chilly Saturday mornings were for, not running around out in a field with his father chasing two dogs with heads the size of cinder blocks and jaws that worked like bear traps. Richie lit a lucky strike as soon as he climbed into Dickie's truck. Dad, please don't smoke in the truck. It relaxes me. It stinks! Richie opened the door, carefully snubbed out the cigarette on the sole of his dirty work boots, and put it back in the pack for later. Better? Yes, thank you. It's just... it's a new truck, you know? Everything in Dickie's life was new. His truck, his house, his wife, and if his father had any say in the matter, soon he'd probably end up with a new dog because Richie didn't have room for one Great Dane, let alone a pair. I know, Richie said. I forgot how you are about smoking, even with the windows down. That's all right, Dad, Dickie said, putting the truck in gear and heading down the driveway. You know, out at the house the sun's already up, Richie said while pointing at all the tall houses in Dickie's neighborhood. But these houses are all so damn tall that it's still back behind the rooftops. You rich guys even get more time to sleep before the sun comes up than the rest of us. You ever think about that? No dad, I hadn't. You should. You need to appreciate the little things like that. I do. I just hadn't thought about that particular little thing. It bothered Dickie when his father talked about money. All his life, he was told to make something of himself, to make sure he didn't have to earn a living with his hands like his father. Now that he had done everything he was told to do, he still got the feeling that it wasn't enough for Richie. Richie constantly reminded him he had forgotten his roots. But when Dicky went back to his roots and hung out with old friends, or worked hard with his hands, Richie reminded him that he was supposed to be better than that. He couldn't win, and he simply couldn't avoid his father. The two worked for the same company, Bender Brick, only Richie still worked in the heat of the yard loading flatbeds, while Dicky owned the whole operation and watched people work from the comfort of his air-conditioned office. Dicky started the job in high school during his summer breaks helping his dad in the yard. He learned to drive a forklift, and then Richie taught him to operate a boom truck and a crane, always reminding him that back in the day when he started, we did it by hand. Dicky had offered his father the chance to move into the office numerous times, but he always refused, saying, nah, I'm made to work in the yard. I'm not fancy enough for an office gig. Dickie stared at his hands on the steering wheel. His fingers were long, slender, and smooth, his nails manicured and strong. He had his mother's hands. He could have been a hand model, featured in catalogs holding golf clubs, wearing wedding rings, or spreading margarine on bread. Quite the contrast were Richie's hands, with his knotted knuckles, cracked nails, and skin-like sandpaper. His hands could have been featured in medical journals, they were gnarled and scarred, made for holding wrenches, chains, welding torches, and bricks. Hey, slow down a sec, Richie said. Do you see the dogs? Nah, they're farther down, but look there. He pointed to an old sink dumped by the side of the road. Dicky kept driving. Dad, I'm not stopping for a sink. You have enough crap in your yard already. In the last year, Richie had taken to collecting junk. Everything from broken lawnmowers to old tires to splintered fence posts and tangled chicken wire. He pulled scrap lumber and damaged chairs from people's garbage and combed junkyards for car parts he'd never use. On more than a few occasions, people pulled into his driveway with pickup beds full of trash, assuming it was the county dump. It started with old bathtubs, the freestanding cast iron and porcelain kinds yuppies killed for. Dickie planted flowers in them, hoping to pawn off the growing mess in his father's front yard as quaint country decorating. When all the old porcelain tubs in the area were had, Richie moved on to cheap fiberglass bathtubs manufactured in the 70s. Soon, his yard was littered with a sick collection of green, pink, and powder blue ready-made tubs. Sunflowers didn't even look good in them. When there were no more tubs to be had, Richie moved on to old boats. One day he rushed over to Dickie's house, excited. I found an old boat body out in a field, son. In Richie's mind, if something was abandoned, blew into, or in the case of two Great Danes, ran into a vacant field, it was finder's keepers. All we gotta do is put some supports in, build a deck, find a motor, and we're ready to go. Never mind the hole was discarded because it had a three-foot-long crack running down the starboard side, punctuated by a hole the size of a cantaloupe. When Dickie pointed this out to Richie, his dad said, We get some Bondo, patch it up, and we're ready to go. When rusty car bodies, old farm machinery, and refrigerators started piling up, the neighbors complained. Dickie hoped Richie had a plan for all the things he brought home, but he knew it would all just pile up and be a big mess to clean the day that Richie drew his final breath. Slow down. I saw him around here. They drove along the edge of the road looking for dogs, but all they saw was prairie. It looks like they're gone, Dad. Nah, keep going. They gotta be around here somewhere. They drove up and down the road for 15 minutes, but the dogs were nowhere to be found. Maybe their owners found them. Nah, they don't belong to anyone. Pull over. Dicky stopped the truck and his father climbed out of the cab. He lit the cigarette he snubbed out on his boot when he got into the truck and headed into the field. Dicky cut the engine and followed. They walked along an old cow path running through the high grass. What were you doing out this far, Dickie said. Yeah, just driving along, thinking. Dickie got quiet, knowing what was coming next. Richie turned to face his son, his eyes filled with tears. I miss her, son. I know, Dad. I do too. Breast cancer took Laura Wingfeld from her son and husband the previous year, leaving them both lost and alone. Dicky handled it better than his father, but a year's time was hardly enough to begin healing the wounds. Months after his mother died, Dicky went to check on Richie. Prior to Laura's death, Richie had only missed 2 days in his 37 years with Bender Brick, but he was now regularly missing work. By then, Richie's yard was already beginning to give way to piles of junk. Dicky knocked on the door, but there was no answer. Next, he knocked on the kitchen window, figuring that if that was Richie's preferred way of letting people know he'd arrived, maybe it was the best way of getting his attention. Nothing. He tried the door. It was unlocked, so he went inside. The kitchen hadn't been cleaned since shortly after his mother died. Dishes had been piled in the sink. Boxes and garbage had not been taken out. The only company Richie had were the cockroaches that had found paradise on his countertops. Dickie made his way down the hallway, walking toward the front room. The rest of the house was a mess too, reeking of garbage and vermin. The stench changed to something more familiar as he neared the living room, though. He smelled the lemon wood oil his mother used to clean her shelves. Dad? Richie didn't answer. The smell brought back good memories. For some reason he couldn't explain, Dickie found himself calling, Mom? He entered the living room. It was immaculate, the way his mother always kept it. It was Laura's favorite room in the house, and Richie kept it spotless, while letting the rest of the house crumble down around him. Dickie watched his father clean the shelves where his mother had kept her menagerie of ceramic birds. Oblivious to his son's presence, Richie took each bird down, polished the shelf, and then carefully put them back exactly the way his wife had left them. He reached Laura's favorite piece, a smooth, white porcelain dove. He set his cloth down beside it and ran his hand over the bird's surface, gently stroking it like he stroked the back of her smooth hands for so many years. Dickie turned and left without saying another word. Ten minutes after breaking down, Richie Wingfeld finally let go of his son. It finally made sense to Dickie. The trash his father collected was his own twisted menagerie. His mother's beauty was reflected in her collection. His father's loss reflected in his. He clapped his hand on his father's shoulder. Why don't we head home, Dad? Yeah, good idea. Richie scanned the field one last time. Dickie got the feeling he was looking for more than just dogs. They drove along, not saying a word to one another. Dickie let his dad smoke Lucky's the whole way home. He got to the end of Richie's driveway and let him out. Hey son, tomorrow you think you could take me to the junkyard? There's a tranny I want to pull out of an old Buick. I'll need some help. Dicky now understood why a man who drove a 1994 Honda Civic needed a transmission from a 1972 Buick Skylark. Sure, Dad, of course. Thanks. Expect me at your window around 8. A big thank you for listening to Not About Lumberjacks. Theme music by Ergo Fizz Miz and all other music in this episode is by Kai Engel, all released under a Creative Commons license. Not About Lumberjacks is also released under a Creative Commons license. Visit Nolumberjacks.com for information about the show, the voice talent, and the music. If you want to help the show, please share it, or leave a rating or review on iTunes. And speaking of sharing, if you're in the mood for a great audio mini-series, visit TheBehemothSeries.com to listen to what my good friend Rick Coast is up to. Next month on Not About Lumberjacks, the owner of a software company becomes very uneasy when discovering someone very close to home is trying to control his mind. Until next time, be mighty and keep your axes sharp.